Book of Matthew, chapter number 28. We're going to read the last two verses of this book. Book of Matthew, chapter number 28, verse 19. Jesus is about to leave this earth. The people here who are standing around watching, and you can read the account in, in the book of Acts, where they just, they're, they're just standing there watching as Jesus goes up in the clouds. And as they're standing here watching Jesus, they, they've already experienced Jesus' miracles. They've experienced His preaching, His teaching, His healing. They experienced His death. They experienced His resurrection. They experienced His teaching after His resurrection. And now they are about to experience His ascension. And Jesus leaves them with parting words. And there are, uh, there are several scriptures that, that is considered to be Jesus' last words uh, on this earth. And, and this is one in particular that you see on uh, church signs and plaques and tracts because it is considered to be the Great Commission. And tonight we're not going to necessarily look at it uh, from a missionary point of view. Uh, but we're going to look at it a little different. Matthew chapter number 28 verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. Tonight, I want to look at that teaching them to observe all things. Once someone gets saved, then, and I know I kind of harp on it, but it's always been kind of a big deal in my life because I was not taught you're saved and then you grow. I was taught you're saved, you're sealed, you're redeemed, you're done. I grew up thinking and believing, and I just—I don't want to be that type of person. Jesus said, "Go ye therefore, teach all nations, teach them about salvation, baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost. Then teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you." Tonight, I want to look at that teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Jesus began his sermon, began his life on this earth. With the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5 and 6 is a huge part of the Bible. In that, that is what Jesus teaches. You can read through all the Gospels, and Jesus teaches the same things in all of them from front to back, as he does right here in Matthew chapter number 5 and 6. But it says in Matthew 5, 1, it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up in the mountains. And when he was sent, his disciples came, and he opened his mouth and taught them. From the very beginning... From the start, from the first sermon he taught, Jesus taught them. He didn't beat the Bible into them. He didn't assume that everyone was going to learn about him just by watching. The first thing that he did was to teach. How do people learn today? It blows my mind. I guess I never understood it. I've never been around kids. The first baby that I ever held in my life was my own. I've never been around kids a whole lot. I don't like holding other people's babies. I'm afraid I'll drop one. <laughs> the second baby I ever held was my brother's. And I was scared to death I was going to drop him. And I ain't picked him up since. I just, I just don't want to drop one. I drop everything else. But watching baby today, I was sitting in a reclining chair, uh, studying a little bit, and she come up with a bottle of apple juice and I had the little leg thing kicked out, and she laid it up there on the leg thing. Well, the, the top of it leaks just, just one or two drops. Every time she flips it and flips it and flips it and flips it, it let a, one or two drops come out. And one or two drops got right there on the climbing chair. Well, she picked it up, and she said, mess? Made mess? Well, then she went into the kitchen. She opened up the cabinet. She got out a rag. She came back in there, and she commenced to wiping that mess up. Every time she eats, 
She'll go get a rag, and we got 14 dozen towels in the dirty clothes bin at the end of the day. But she'll go get a rag out of that bin, and she'll wipe her little miniature table off because she's seen Emily do it so many times. And the other night, she, she threw up in the middle of the night, and uh, the Emily had puke all down her, all over the floor. It was everywhere. And the whole time, Bailey was puking. Make a mess, mess, clean up, clean up. That's all she was worried about making a mess and trying to clean up. But but she, she hasn't necessarily learned by by just watching that. Now, kids will learn. She learned how to use a screwdriver by watching me because I've never told her how to use a screwdriver. But she learned to clean up because Emily harps on it. When she throws cookies or whenever she's done eating or whenever she crumbles up saltine crackers, Emily say, you made a mess. Now we got to clean it up. And then they'll clean, sing the clean up song. Clean up, clean up. And so she learns because Emily is attempting to teach her same way we learned Algebra 1 in school. Ain't it awful? Yeah. But we learn by, by people teaching us. And if somebody never shows you how to solve for X, you're not going to figure it out. You're not going to see a bunch of letters in a math problem and just magically know how to do it. It's just, gonna have, people aren't made that way. You have to see it. You have to be taught it. So the way a lot of times, especially 20, 30 years ago, people taught is they did the I do, we do, you do. That's the way people were taught to teach. So the first way to work out a math problem is I'll work out the math problem on the board. And then we together will work out the math problem. So you give me the answer and I will write it down. I will, we will work it out together as a group. And then the third thing is you do it. You take the information that you have learned, the things that you have seen, and you go and do this. And that is how they taught people to learn. The first thing that Jesus taught, the first thing that he did, the first sermon that we have recorded, he stood up, he opened his mouth, and he taught them. If I'm going to teach somebody, we had a basketball coach when I was in high school. As long as you played on his team, you were not allowed to drink soft drinks. And if he caught you with a soft drink, you were off the team. No second chances, no trying again, you were done. You were gone. He had a zero tolerance for it. But he didn't drink soft drinks. It's hard to, to, to teach kids to pop them and say, don't hit. It's a little hypocritical, ain't it? Don't hit. It's, it's hard to, to throw something across the room and then they do it and say, no, no. Whatever we teach, that's kind of what we're supposed to do, right? So as Christians, we have two particular ways that we teach and it's the same way that Jesus taught. And we may not know that we do this, but we all do this. The first way is we teach exactly the same way Jesus did. He said... He came and he opened his mouth. Now, sometimes we may not always teach the good things whenever we open our mouth because we're a bunch of dummies. We open our mouth when we shouldn't. But whenever we're teaching somebody of the Bible, the first, uh, the first way that we're going to do it is, is we're going to open our mouth. We're going to tell them what the Bible says. Jesus opened his mouth and he taught them. And through Matthew chapter number 5 and chapter number 6 and chapter number 7, Jesus taught them by opening his mouth. In chapter number 7 and verse 28, it says, It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, throughout the Bible and throughout the Gospels, Jesus calls the Pharisees and the Sadducees the hypocrites. And he calls them vipers and he calls them serpents. And he's, he basically just runs them down every opportunity he gets, trying to let the people know these aren't the teachers. 
This isn't what you need to focus on. This isn't what you need to pay attention to. So whenever he finished, the people were astonished because he taught them as one having authority. He stood up and he taught using his words. The second way that we teach is what Jesus did for the rest of his life. The motto, yeah, motto for 4-H is learn by doing. Uh, Jesus taught by doing. Jesus said that there are two commandments. On all the rest of the commandments and prophets hang on these two. Love God, love people. He taught that. He taught that. His parents come looking for him and said, where have you been? He said, i got to be about my father's work. I have other things I have to do. The woman came to him and, and, and he said, how do you put it? She come to him and, and she said, she said, you got to help me. He said, throw not your pearls among swine. And she said, well, even the dogs get the crumbs. And Jesus stopped and he helped her. The woman touched the hem of his garment. He said, I, I think virtue, I, I can feel the virtue is going out of me. Who has touched me? And can you imagine how his disciples must have looked at him? There were people all around him. He was walking through the city and there were people all around him probably bumping into him at every side. And he said, someone has touched me. He paid attention to every individual. He came to that, that sycamore tree and I, if there was more than one tree, I, I bet you there was people in other trees. But Zacchaeus is the one that wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus came to that tree and he got very personal with Zacchaeus. He got very personal with Peter. He got very personal with John. He got very personal with Mary and Martha. He got very personal with Lazarus. He got very personal with the man that he said, take up thy bed and walk. He got very personal with Peter whenever he said, Peter, come on. Step out on that water and commence to walk. Whenever Jesus is teaching, he gets personal. It's easy to stand up and hand out tracts. It's easy. It's easy to sit at a booth and hand out Bibles. Right? Just sit there and hand them out. Nothing at all to, to the folks down at the commercial building fair. I don't know. I, I didn't even see them there this year. They used to hand out water. They give you little cups of water as people's getting really hot. It's easy to hand out water. It's easy to hand out tracts. It's easy to hand out Bibles. But Jesus taught them by telling them, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Blessed are you if you Follow my Father's commandments. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus taught them after that by following through what He preached. Today, anybody can give out tracts. But it takes a little bit stronger Christian to talk to someone about Jesus. It takes a little bit stronger Christian to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, Jesus is not talking to lost people here. He's talking to saved people. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his faithful few. Who are we to teach to observe all things? Whenever we go into the world, we are to first teach all nations, and I believe he's referring to salvation right here, teach all nations about Christ, teach all nations about Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, 
then teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Tonight I, I want to read you just a few things that I believe a lot of churches and, and a lot of preachers, myself included, have, have failed in teaching a lot of, a lot of saved people, especially newly saved people. The first thing is, is to teach the Bible. King James Version Bible. To teach the Bible. Now we can all probably say the verse, the, the, gone. Books of the Bible. We can sing it, right? I can't really say it without singing. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I have a really hard time saying it, but I can sing it to you. We know the books of the Bible, but do we know what they actually are? Do we know what the books of the law is? Do we know that the prophets are actually all mixed up, that it's not in order? Do we understand that, that Chronicles and Samuel and Kings and all of that kind of happened at the same time? Because you'll find things in Chronicles three books later that the same thing was happening back here in Samuel. Do we understand that the, that the Proverbs was, was a little bit different? It's not meant to be read as a book. Do we understand that they had different types of songs back whenever David wrote a lot of the songs? Do we understand that there was a big gap between Malachi and Matthew several hundred years? Do we understand that whenever Jesus was teaching to these people that they had a record of the Old Testament, but they did not have the New? Do we understand that, that Revelation is something that was given to John as a vision? It was something that was, that was to come. But also, Matthew chapter 24 was the same thing. Daniel chapter number 6, 7, 8 was the same thing. Prophecy of things to come. Isaiah, Ezekiel, all prophecies of things to come. Do we teach the Bible or do we teach this little light of mine? I'm going to let it shine. Do we teach the Bible or do we just skim the surface? Second thing that we are teaching is we are teaching why we do what we do. So much of, of religion today is based on traditionalism and, and I don't want to make anybody upset. But the Bible is going to do one of two things to most people, especially Christians. It's either going to convict you or offend you. One of two things. Jesus made a lot of people mad. Stephen made a lot of people mad. Paul made a lot of people mad. Peter made a lot of people mad. John got his head cut off for, for telling the truth, for being blatantly honest. We are to teach the Bible. Why we do what we do. Why we do... And Y'all know that I've always been taught a dress code in church. Always. We didn't wear blue jeans on Sunday morning. Ever. My mama didn't wear a pair of pants till she was in her late 40s. Just here recently. We were taught a dress code in church. And I ask myself, why? I find modesty in this Bible. I find the Bible teaches modesty. I believe that with all of my heart. And I believe with all of my heart that there are people that wear pants a whole lot more modest than people that wear dresses. Not in every aspect, but in some of them. I believe that modesty can come in a lot of different forms. And that immodesty can be 
in a lot of different homes. But so many times in my life I've been taught dress code and not modesty. I've been taught dress code and not you put on your best for God because He deserves it. I've been taught to do this because I said so. Do this because your daddy says so. Do this because your grandparents says so. Do this because the preacher says so. Not because God deserves it. Not because the Bible says so. Not because it's the right thing to do, but because, because of somebody else. And it don't come down to people. That's the reason the Bible has survived. Look at some of the things that, that people has created. They don't run no more. They don't work no more. But look at what God has created. It still works. Biology proves the existence of a greater being that's understanding way surpasses ours. Baptism. The Lord's Supper. Salvation. I know I'm not preaching to anybody who don't know this. But it has blown my mind how many Baptist churches teach you something different for salvation. I use the word weird a lot because to me it's strange. People teach so many different things for salvation. Receive Jesus into your heart. The Bible don't teach that. Pray this prayer. The Bible don't teach that. If you get saved and you mess up, you have to get saved again. The Bible don't teach that. Make sure you give all your money to the church, otherwise you're not going to heaven. The Bible don't teach that. Make sure you get baptized. Once you get this old, you've you got to get baptized. The Bible don't teach that. Why do we believe what we believe? This is, this is our responsibility. And not just me. This is the responsibility of parents. It's the responsibility of elders in the church teaching why. Before Brother Tim passed away, he was sitting out on his back porch talking. This was before we went in the, in the hospital. I hadn't been here very long. And we was talking about something, else. I don't even remember what, what we was talking about. He said, there's a lot of things that comes up in church and you got to remember one thing. What's that? He said, the gold. All right, that's kind of a broad statement. He said, when anything comes up in church, you think of the goal. What is the goal of the church? To be that light that Jesus talks about in Matthew. To be the light. To be the light, you have to put forth a little effort. You have to shine, which means you have to go out into the world and try to reach people. You have to teach, preach, baptize. The goal of the church is to is to heal. The goal of the church is to the goal of the church is to teach God's word. And he said, when anything comes up, no matter how argumentative people may be, you think about that goal. And if it don't line up with the goal of the church, stay away from it. And that made real good sense to me. Because so many things today is revolves around pleasing this person and pleasing that person. And I'm not saying that we should not have uh, big jumpy things in the back for the kids during Bible school because they have a lot of fun on that. 
But that feeds our goal. Our goal is to get them here. Our goal is to teach them. Our goal is to educate them. Our goal is to pray for their souls. Our goal is to try to lead them to Christ. And so many times along the way we lose sight of that. Churches has lost sight of that. Well, I'm not going to do this. Well, I'm going to do that. Does it line up with the goal? Don't do it for me. Don't, don't do what I want. Is it what God wants? Does it line up with the goal? You know, it's really, 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 really easy. I can start right now and I can probably go for, I don't know, probably 10 minutes naming preachers that I really like, that I would love to come preach a revival right here. And I can start and, and I can name them. And maybe some of them, y'all would say, oh no, don't get him over here. <laughs> you would. And maybe other ones like, yeah, I really enjoy listening to him. I can get on board with that. But, but, if, but if I come and I say, this is the preachers I like, this is the ones I think we should call for revival, then y'all need to get me, get me out of here. Because that ain't the way it's supposed to be. It don't matter what I want. It don't matter what I like. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, do what you want to do. Nowhere does he teach, follow your heart. It's not in there. He said, the Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will lead you. He said, if you'll ask of my Father, he will give you that wisdom you need. We talked about that last Sunday night. That wisdom is available to us if we desire it. And if I just tell you, nominate a preacher that I won't hear because I won't listen to him, then I'm getting in the way of that goal and I become the problem. It's not about what I want. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants. And so many times today we miss that whenever it comes to teaching the Bible. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants for me. In our teaching, we teach the Bible, we teach the gospel, we teach baptism, we teach communion service, we teach the Lord's Supper, we teach salvation, we teach moral obligations. Well, let's flip over and read it. 1 Timothy, chapter number 4. The two books of Timothy talks a lot about carrying the gospel, ministry. Chapter 1. He talks about the charge to Timothy. In verse 19, he says, Holding faith and a good conscience. Holding faith. Let's, let's flip over to chapter number 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We have talked about that in depth. We understand that that is saved people leaving the church. That is saved people falling away. That is not lost people. These are people departing from the faith, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Talked about that a little bit this morning. Save people now. Getting to the point that their conscience is sealed with a hot iron, that, that doing bad and doing evil don't bother them anymore. Because they have fallen away, they have departed from the faith. Forbidden to marry and commanded to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving. For them which believe and know the truth, for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if you receive with thanksgiving. Nobody's vegetarian in here, right? Okay, good. Pray to sanctify by the word of God and prayer. But if thou put to brother in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Put the brethren in remembrance. That's saved people. 
remind them. Teach them. But refuse profane and old wise fables. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little. One of, that's in my top ten favorite verses. Because if it's not bodily exercise profiteth little. We should exercise our Christian body more often. But godliness is more profitable unto all things, having a promise of life that is now and that of that is which to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially to those who believe. These things command and teach. Command and teach. Who do we teach? He's talking about saved people right above this. He said, put it in... Put the brethren in remembrance of these things. Make the brethren remember this. These things command and teach. He's talking to the saved. He's talking to Timothy of uh, ministries. He's speaking through the Bible to the elders of the church, to, to parents, to friends, to family, to put these things in remembrance. And these things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. That is one of the deepest Bible verses that I can find. And I talk about somebody despising your youth. We, we, can, we can get through that. It says, but be an example of believers. Be what a believer is supposed to be. Be what Jesus was. Every year, college football teams are measured based on how well they do against Alabama, right? That's how everybody's measured. How well you do against Alabama will determine your outcome in the standings for the next, next week. They are the, the mark. What about baseball? It's always been the Yankees, right? Everybody else is measured based on how good they are compared to the Yankees. Whenever you look at presidents, you look at good things and bad things from each president, but they're... You always compare them to those which have come before. Whenever it comes to Christianity, if you compare yourself to me, then we're both in trouble. We're to compare ourselves to Christ. How do we do measuring up against Him? There's a lot of people that profess to be saved that I can look at them and say, I'm a better Christian than that person is. Compared to them, I have got it made, brother Ed. I'm telling you, I, I can just quit right now. I'm so far ahead of them. Woo! Compared to other people, we can measure up good. But compared to Christ, we're in all kind of bad shape. We have a long way to go. And the only way to get there is to desire to teach, to preach, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. What are we to teach? Not what mom and daddy said. Not what the preacher said. What Jesus said. What God put down in this book for us to read, for us to pay attention to. This is what we're supposed to teach. Brother Randy, I don't know much about your educational background. But if I threw you in a Calculus 1 class and said, here, teach them. Could you do it? No. How come, Brother Randy? I might do his time tables. <laughs> Don't know that much about it. 
If you did that with me and, and, and rocket science, I don't know that much about it. I just, I just don't. So how are we to teach if we don't first learn? I make a terrible science teacher. Because I learned science 10 years ago. And I forgot it all. And so I try some days before the kids come in, I'll open up my textbook and I'll skim through it. Try to pick out a few key words. That way I can tell them those key words and make myself look smart. Look like I'm supposed to be there. earning my paycheck. But it's, science is not my thing. How are we to teach unless we first learn? How are we to teach the Bible unless we first go read it? And I'm not talking about just reading. Study. How are we to teach something that we are out of our depth in? We're never going to be where we're supposed to be at. I study and study and read and I feel like I'm, I just get dumber for it. We're not where we need to be, but we can get there by the help of God. And then whenever we read, whenever we study, whenever we go out in faith, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will call to our remembrance what we need. And He will. I'm awful at memorizing Scriptures. But it seems like whenever, whenever I need it, God provides it. My prayer to God would be that each and every one of us could, could teach others. Not just outside this church, but inside this church. Each other. Especially those that are new in Christ. New to salvation. They need teaching. We don't do it because mom and daddy said do it. We don't do it because the preacher said do it. We do it because God said do it. foundation of our belief is on thus saith the word of God. Well, we have a verse for song. I'll ask for a verse of invitation.